Welcome everyone to the Show Club podcast. I'm joined today by Mark Wardlow and Steve Belker, and we're here to talk about red teaming and everything around red teaming. Before we get into it, Mark, could you just give me a brief introduction to yourself and what brings you to the conversation today? Sure. Hi, guys. My name is Mark. I'm leading up the red team at Shawcloud, and uh, I've been here about, se- well, exactly seven years today. Well, happy anniversary for today, uh, and congrats on seven years. Uh, and yourself, Steve, could you just give an introduction to yourself as well? Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Steve Valsiv. I'm a red team operator at Shawcloud. I've been with Shawcloud for the last two years. Not to the day, I'm assuming, though, but... <laughs> almost. Almost, yeah. Well, congrats on the almost two years as well, which is fantastic. So, guys, um, as I mentioned at the top, we're here to talk about red teaming today. And we're going to talk about, you know, the reasons why someone might do a red team, what an organisation, the value they might get from doing a red team. Does it replace pen testing? We're going to talk about some of the technical details as well. Um, and we'll try and get a couple of war stories in there if we can as well. So things we might have seen in real life, you know, things that, that have been interesting to us and, and potentially interesting to the customers that we're working with as well. So guys, um, I'll bring Mark in here initially, if that's all right. So Mark, could you tell us what we mean by by a red team? So what's the definition of a red team? Sure. Ultimately, a red team is a test of an organization's security posture, but um, with an unlimited scope, essentially. So we will look at targets where we can sort of attack and we will essentially, anything's on the table. So we can look at an organization's you know external infrastructure we can look to test uh, security controls on on email physical building security and we'll essentially try and pick the you know whichever we decide to be our target is is on the table and we will attack that as we want to oh fantastic so steve tell me a little bit more about the kind of the the, the individual bits so, so mark's mentioned there we talked about we can target external infrastructure or we can target you know, web applications. What what are the other bits and pieces that, that could be part of the, the scope of the red team? So essentially our goal is to try and fully compromise the organization. And initially, as Mark stated, we'll go from an external perspective to try and get to the internal systems because that's where they hold most of the juicy data. So we also conduct internal penetration tests per se but more on a stealthy kind of approach, trying not to be detected by the organization's blue team. And then we'll try to get to key objectives defined by the organization. Sometimes they would like us to reach their backup servers, for instance, or sometimes they would like us, would like us to see if we can reach some of their intellectual property. And essentially with the red team, we are testing a whole organization's security stack. So that would include their security policies, procedures, and even the people themselves. So it's this intersection of technology process and people. Ultimately, we're trying to find the the weak spots where they all interconnect, ultimately. That's correct. Okay, fantastic. So who needs one? Who are buying these things? Who's commissioning these types of engagements? What's the customer look like at the minute? And and should, what what kind of profile does someone need to fit to, to have value out of one? Typically, I think every organization should have this kind of assessment at some point or another. I think it lends itself to essentially any organization. You know, we we could start from very small organizations with single premises to online presence only organizations and, you know, right up to the big enterprise businesses who, who have, you know, multiple offices, a large online footprint, many thousands of users it really lends itself to any size organization and can be a huge benefit to all of them as well. Yeah, fantastic. And I guess, Steve, we, we probably tailor a ta- an assessment differently to different size customers, different verticals, different levels of maturity perhaps as well. I've, I've read as well that the, one of the kind of main objectives of the Red Team is to enable a, an organization to work out how they would respond in the event of an attack. 
how would we differ? So let's say we've got a big enterprise, for example, that wants to commission a red team. You know, they're very mature. They've got an internal team. And we've got a small startup company that's got 20 people in there. What would we do in the different, you know, how would we differ that approach for them? To start off with a small organization, let's say they're just established, I think the biggest benefit for them is essentially the red team will come in and they will test as much as they can. And they will essentially highlight areas where the organization can implement new, let's say, security measures like email filtering, potentially MFA, and all sorts of stuff like that. As opposed to a really secured and mature organization, what we essentially testing there is we'll test all their security policies and technologies, and we will try to kind of help them with their current uh, systems in the essence of trying to get their blue team to configure their security appliances and software in the correct manner to pick up the activities we do within a red team. Okay, fantastic. And we've mentioned here a couple of different colors of teams, so we might as well cover that while, we have, while we're at it. So red team, we've def- we, we define what the red team is. That's the, that's the guys trying to get in, and whether that's us, whether that's another company or the actual bad guys out in the real world. And um, We've mentioned blue team twice. What do we mean by blue teams? What's the definition of that? So the blue team would essentially be the organization security or IT security staff. Um, sometimes it might even be outsourced to a third party. And that's normally in the form of a security operations center or known as a SOC. And it's all the people, it can be systems administrators, essentially even at the organization. It can even be developers that look after certain uh, applications. And it's the people that are responsible for looking after security incidents at the organization themselves. Um, Just to touch on another type of team that we have that's in existence is the purple team. And the purple team is essentially a mixture of both the red team and the blue team. Their primary purpose is to serve as a bridge in between both of them. So it will be kind of a collaboration between the blue and the red, and thus it mixes and makes purple team. And we then work together to try and obviously strengthen the organization's security posture through these red team exercises. Fantastic. So it's all about all about leveling up for customers, right? So right early on in the stage, they might want to implement some new tools, some new new processes, things that don't exist that'll therefore improve their security posture. For the ones that that stuff already exists, it's about refining and tuning and making sure that the tooling they've got is working for their environment correctly, ultimately, and giving them the, the confidence that they need to be, actually, you know what, if this does happen for real, because let's be honest, it will at some point, then we know what we need to do. We're, we're well fixed for it. We can get on top of it pretty quick and we can eradicate the threat. And that's, you know, it's kind of almost like a Swiss army knife of security testing methodology, right? You can fit all cases and, and kind of be a lot of things to a lot of people. So let's talk a little bit more around how Red Team fits alongside a pen test. Does it replace a pen test? So Mark, could you uh, give us a comment on that one, if you wouldn't mind? Yeah, we uh, with the traditional pen test, the, the scope is pretty focused. And with the Red Team, we may not aim to target a particular application. And we may, you know, the Red Team might define that we want to look elsewhere and the application may not be touched, for example. And really, when you do a penetration test, the, the scope is obviously focused on, you know, on a particular IT system. And we would then look to test that thoroughly, you know, get an idea of, of the security posture of that particular application rather than an organizational security posture, which is what the red team is ultimately aimed at looking at. Okay. So red team is a collection of assets that you might chain together. Pen test is a specific set of assets that you might not necessarily then work out where it connects to other systems or or whatever it might be. So there is a difference. And so 
when we talk about does the red team replace a pen test, the answer sounds like it's a no, but there's probably a crossover between some things, right? Absolutely. We could end up with a similar set of findings at the end, but the, but the pen test is, is about assurance against a particular asset, whereas the red team is bit more assurance around you know the organization as a whole and as you mentioned previously the um the event alerting and, and tuning the blue team specifically to identify threats fantastic how do we scope a red team what's the process involved there is it the same as a pen test where we say we've got x number of assets or you know, what was the, what's the objective how do, how do we work through that process and i'll, I'll mark if you wouldn't mind picking up yeah, the scope discussion probably is over quite quickly. The The real aim of that is to discuss what our objectives are, which commonly can include, for example, you know, with an Active Directory environment, we may target domain admin privileges, or we may look to grab a particular file, for example, from a system, you know, with a very specific target in mind. Really, that discussion is over quite quickly. And then we can discuss, you know, what we may look at doing as part of the red team and kind of discuss what may be off limits, which is quite important as well, because, you know, there may be specific individuals or high value, you know, in some instances that we wouldn't want to target. So we can have discussions about, you know, what is in limits and what is off limits and ultimately go from there. Okay, so it's, it's ultimately we, we're talking around, we start from the end goal and reverse engineer that. So here's what we need to get to. And here there are building blocks that we need to do to get to that point or we think we need to do to get to that point. Okay. Tell me from a buying perspective. So if I'm going to buy a red team, are there any things I should be looking out for particularly? So I'm talking about methodologies, any any sort of regulatory requirements and things like that. Is there any, any markers that would say this guy, you know, these guys over here know what they're doing and these guys over here don't know what they're doing? Anything that I should be aware of? And Steve, I don't know if you could comment on that one, please. What a buyer should look out for when choosing a red team is essentially they should look if the potential seller person that's offering the red team has experience in this field. And they should also look at what types of scenarios the red team offers and if those scenarios cater well towards the organization's objective. Additionally, the buyer should also try to seek a red team that kind of will try to simulate a threat actor that's associated with the kind of sphere that the buyer or the organization operates in. Because essentially what the red team is trying to do is they will try to simulate a real threat actor that the buyer or organization might actually be attacked by in the real world. And they want to try to see if they can detect and respond to that kind of scenario if it ever happens. If I was looking at buying a red team, one of the important things I would want to look at is, is what output am I going to get from this? We could potentially talk about workshops and meetups with, you know, to get the blue team and the red teams together to look at, you know, kind of how they could have identified uh, certain threats and what history the organization delivering the red team has in that area and proven track record, essentially looking at um, case studies, for example, as well, and working what track record have they got in that area, essentially. Okay, very good. One of the points I'd like to add to that as well is we're probably looking out what research they're putting out there. So if there's anything coming out in theory, you know, in terms of their blogs, their white papers, the kind of vulnerability research that's been putting out there, it shows that they're actively working on things like if they're putting out tools and things and, and so on and so forth. It shows that there is a there is a drive internally to improve and continuously improve. So I think that'd be another point um, I would add as well to that one. So let's talk about the delivery aspects. Uh, and I know this is the bit we're, we're really interested to talk about and excited to talk about. So could you just explain, and Mark, maybe you could take this one to start with. Um, could you explain the various stages that we would go through in a red team? So talk us through end-to-end what the stages of the methodology would be. 
So when we begin a red team, the initial stage would be the OSINT, Open Source Intelligence phase, where we essentially look to discover everything we can about an organization, you know, office premises, what assets they may have that are accessible from the internet, you know, users, uh, names, email addresses, all that kind of stuff. And then we would probably move on to a phase where we would look at, you know, where we believe we are likely to get success and start to then essentially perform those attacks against the organization, whether that be, you know, phishing, physical presence, Wi-Fi networks that are accessible from the road. There's a whole range of things that we can look to do. And essentially performing those attacks, moving on to potentially discussions with the organization to discuss, you know, what it is that we've done and then ultimately work with the organization to address what it is that where they can improve, whether that be on alerting or particular vulnerabilities that we may have found, phishing detection, et cetera. Okay, so it's, it's around, I guess, profiling an organization, building up a picture. Then we move on to getting access to that organization through a you know, variety of different means. And then when we're in there, we're doing some stuff, right? So we want to you know, move around the network, we want to gain some persistence, we want to achieve the objectives that we actually set out at the scoping stage and start to look at them and and, and whatever else. Then the last bit is the learning piece. So what do we notice from here that you can take back to your organization and and implement today to try and change things? Okay, fantastic. Steve, tell me what's the the bit that we usually find the most challenging? What's the sticking point of the methodology? Where do we kind of, you know, spend most of the effort, let's say, to, to, to make it a success? I think the most challenging bit is the initial compromise, and that's to try and get a foothold within the organization's internal network. And we spend a lot of time trying to develop methods to get in. The primary method would be through phishing. So we develop phishing campaigns where we try to essentially get the organization's users to click on certain links, potentially even enter in their credentials or even download malicious payloads. And there's also a bit of uh, research and development that goes into developing these payloads and these email templates. Um, First thing is we have to try and invade the organization's email filtering. We also need to try and invade what the organizations have for their endpoint protection. And we develop payloads that kind of try to circumvent these measures, which can be challenging at times. And then also, if that doesn't work through the internet, um, we can try even physical means of compromising an organization. And that would entail essentially trying to locate the organization's office locations and then potentially break into their offices. And then we can go and implant certain hardware devices that will give us persistence on the network. And we can even go and socially engineer people into installing stuff onto their actual corporate devices. And that can be even through means of like playing the role as an IT technician that needs to update someone's computer. So the initial bit is always the hardest bit. And then thereafter, we try to obviously maintain access to the organization's internal network. And that can be sometimes difficult depending on the organization's security. They might detect our traffic going outbound or they might not, but there's various ways to get around that. Okay, fantastic. So yeah, the, the challenge bit is the gain impact. And then from what I'm gathering that once you're in and you've you've got an established foothold on the network, it becomes a little easier, then the engagement rolls quite well from that point forward. Yeah. 
Yeah, historically, organisations tend to put a lot of uh, focus on their boundary. And I think that's changing, but certainly for larger organisations, it still tends to be the case, presumably because, you know, a lot of legacy stuff hanging around and potentially legacy um, kind of uh, methodologies around defence as well. That certainly we see a lot of that still with, you know, quite flat networks internally. We've also, you know, we've had quite a lot of success recently around the physical stuff. People tend to place a lot of defense on their online presence and then forget that you can walk straight into a head office building and and plug a device in and with very little challenge. As I say, we've had quite a lot of success with that recently. So Steve, I know you're a bit of an adept social engineer. What are the attributes that you need to be good in that field? And it's clearly not just confident. You're a confident guy, but you can't just get away with confidence alone. So what are the kind of things that you think make you a success in, in, that, in that kind of arena? I would say to be a successful social engineer, you have to do a bit of research about your organization. So essentially, you would research them online. You would find their physical locations. Um, you can then even use Google Maps to do a little bit of recon prior to actually going there on site. So Street View works well to kind of identify all the entry points into a building. You can also see if they have access card readers or essentially uh, gates that allow you in sometimes. I normally try to go to location prior to the engagement and just scope it out and see, okay, does is there a reception? Are there security guards that walk around and stuff like that? Then I also try to actually see the employees that walk in and out of the building. What are the busy times? Are there any smoker entrances and stuff like that? And then once you gather all this information, you can then try to make a, a plan of attack to essentially try to get into the building itself or the organization. And that can be like blending in. So if everyone's wearing business suits, you wear a business suit, you try to blend in. And then you also try to develop a cover story. Um, so essentially, you can say you're there to meet someone. And you know that person's name uh, by essentially doing some open source intelligence gathering and like scraping LinkedIn for employee details. Um, And you develop a whole story just in case um, you need to use it. Um, And then you can even go under different disguises, like potentially a a high visibility jacket and a construction hat and a clipboard go a long way. People will essentially trust you if you look a little bit legitimate and you can say you're there to do some safety checks on the elevators or fire alarms. And people might let you in or they might not. So you develop all these different kinds of personas to try fit in and get in. If that doesn't work, you can then start testing the physical bits of the building. And that could be through um, testing locks, through lock picking. Um, You can even potentially hack the RFID or NFC uh, access card systems. There's various ways to do that. You can clone cards and get in there through that. And then you can even resort to simple methods of just tailgating people in. That works quite well a lot of times. And then just walking with confidence and get to your objective as soon as possible. So in, in and out and have some swagger. Yep. <laughs> nice, very good. So that's the social engineer side and that's covers the physical bit. And Mark, you, you're leading the red team here at Show. What are the other attributes you know, you know, that are clear across the team that you've got now? And obviously these the teams have been built in a way to complement each other. So Steve's very good in that aspect and also in, in many other aspects as well. But what are the other key attributes that we've got across the team now that are really important? 
We've developed a really good kind of all-round team within the red team. We've got individuals who have really you know good skills in certain areas. You know, um, app testing, infrastructure testing. One of the really important things is is actually coding as well for things like payload development, so that we can essentially obfuscate from antivirus. It's a really key area because without that, we um, obviously will instantly you know try and run things we get picked up flagged straight away you know red alerts going off everywhere so that that's been a really good key area for me obviously myself with a, a vast infrastructure knowledge which helps you know sort of later on i think in in the engagement when we you know once we've got a foothold in the network we can then look to you know further our access privilege escalation those kind of areas so yeah at the moment we've, we've got a, a really good sort of wide range of skills in the team and for me we're developing and progressing really well in this area at the moment okay fantastic we, we've done a we've, we've completed a few engagements recently enough have we got any interesting stories that we can share with the listeners so essentially, we had quite a big um, client where we tried to gain initial access through a few phishing campaigns. Um, we weren't having any success in that area. So we then decided to try and approach it from the physical aspect and get essentially onto the internal app, uh, network through one of the many office locations. So I was given a list of office locations. I checked them all out. I did my initial recon. And I was able to gain entry into three of the three that I did try and get into. And once I was in the office, um, I would literally find a meeting room or an empty desk and just connect to the network as soon as possible and then see what I could see from there. However, this client in particular had a really good network segregation that had pretty much quite a lot of different VLANs. And our ultimate goal was to try and get a backdoor on one of the corporate devices. So essentially, I had to then adjust my attack and kind of play a different role. So I went to some members of staff and I said to them, hi there, I'm the IT guy. I just quickly need to update your computer. And what I had with me was a little uh, USB stick, also known as rubber ducky or bash bunny that simulates a keyboard. And essentially, I just plugged it into their laptops. A thing popped up. It was literally PowerShell command script, and it downloaded a malicious payload and installed it. And then it was kind of done there. It was super quick. And I infected a few devices through that means, um, and we got some backdoors back to our C2 servers. And then after that, um, essentially, I had to kind of leave, and I tried to keep my disguise <laughs> But there was a bit of an incident afterwards where the staff were a bit wary as to what had actually happened, but by then it was a little too late. Other places I broke into as well, we kind of hacked the Wi-Fi, so they had just WPA2 secured with the passphrase. I was able to crack their Wi-Fi while on site. Um, I then used this Wi-Fi password for um, some of the other sites. Um, I essentially just stood outside their office buildings, connected using the same password that was cracked at another site, and was able to get in that way as well. And then uh, additionally, we also left um, some of our network implants at these office locations. And it's just essentially a little computer that has a, a connection out through the cellular network, and it is also connected to the internal network, which can also potentially connect out. And then that allowed us to essentially get some persistence on the internal network. Okay, fantastic. 
So guys, I know we mentioned the um, implant devices. I know that's an area that we've been working on recently. So could you just talk us through what the current areas of, you know, the focus areas are for research right now, Mark, in, in, within the Red Team? At the moment, we've actually just uh, upgraded our Dropbox device and it's looking pretty nifty. You know, we can do quite a lot with it now, which is obviously an area that we've been focusing on quite recently. Uh, in addition to that, one of the key things for me is the automation and actually being able to start the red team as quickly as possible. So we've been looking at, well, we've we've implemented a, an automation platform that essentially builds all of the infrastructure for us very quickly so that we can ultimately start the red team much quicker. And obviously, the more time we've got on an engagement, you know, leads to much better outcomes. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and I know that's a project that's been ongoing here at Show Club for probably a year, maybe a little bit longer than that. So shout out to the previous guys who were looking after it. And now Mark, I know it's under your, under your stewardship and we've really pushed it on again from a, from the level it was previously. So yeah, some good interesting areas of research there. And I know from from discussions, we've been doing a lot in the kind of payload development space as well and, and make sure that we're good from that initial access perspective and, and have a lot of the different ways that we can approach a, a red team, which is great news. So guys, so Steve, like, final question um, before we wrap it up. You've been involved with red team stuff now for you know dedicated for a couple of months. Um, so, what, how do you see the red team scene moving in the future, mostly from a technical perspective? So, what, what's the kind of things you're expecting to see more over the next kind of six months? So, essentially, the way that red teaming has or might potentially move forward is it's always about trying to emulate the latest evasion techniques. So there's a lot of threat actors and groups around the world, and they always figure out ways to kind of evade defenses. And recently, I was doing a little bit of research on domain fronting, essentially trying to use a high reputable domain within our campaigns. So essentially, our backdoors would talk out, it would appear like they're talking out from a, a high reputable domain, but then it essentially connects to our C2 server. And it's essentially we're trying to emulate these threat actors and what they're doing. And in response, we try to get our the our clients aware of these techniques so that they can kind of fine-tune and uh, configure their systems to pick these things up. I would say a lot of things actually now with internal access are pointing towards third-party applications. So potentially using like LinkedIn and Microsoft Teams and Zoom and stuff like that to send malicious payloads instead of emails. That's where red teaming is kind of going with initial compromise. There's also a lot to do with payloads, just obfuscating them and trying to evade antivirus software. And essentially also where the antivirus software is heading in the future is behavioral analysis. So it's going to make our jobs a lot more difficult, but there are ways where we can kind of essentially simulate normal behavior. Granted, it might take a lot longer because it's just having to slowly type out commands and then instead of having it all automated might be a little bit of a red flag. So we're just trying to simulate real human behavior and we're just trying to evade all possible defenses using the latest techniques. Fantastic. Um, and Mark, I don't know if you've anything to add to that, but it'd be great if you had a couple of insights as well. Nothing to add, I don't think, at the minute. One thing I've noticed is that the, the at least from a commercial perspective, the buying community seems to be relatively well knowledge now on what they're what they're looking for, what they expect from one, uh, which I don't think was necessarily the case. We went back kind of five years ago, maybe a bit less than that. It was like they'd heard the term, it was pretty cool, wanted to do some stuff in that space, but not necessarily always understanding the the implications of it. So I think there's been a bit, 
definitely an educational increase in, in the buying community, perhaps. Or maybe it's just we're having conversations with people who know what they're talking about, perhaps. But either way, things are shaping up good. And I think there's a, there's a really bright future in, in this area, which is fantastic. I'd just like to add to the research that we're currently doing. So some of the research that we've been doing is obviously trying to evade um, security defenses, just trying to evade Windows uh, mark of the web, for instance. We have one of our colleagues, Erwin, who's doing a great job on that um, and figuring out new ways to evade uh, the mark of the web, which essentially would flag a file that's been downloaded on the web and present an extra security alert to the user. And we've actually found some new ways that are going to prove very useful to kind of evade that little bit of uh, defense. Um, additionally, we have ways where we're trying to kind of make our phishing seem more legitimate. And um, essentially, we'd be using legitimate third-party services to track some of the phishing activities, such as canary tokens. And then also, we're doing research about how trying to kind of hide our infrastructure so that the blue team doesn't necessarily know where the beacon is talking out to or just making sure that they can't reach our actual C2 server. And that's got to do by abusing a lot of third-party services, such as like CDN networks, content delivery networks, Networks such as CloudFront, CloudFlare. Um, and we'll make use of these legitimate services for uh, malicious purposes. But in the end of the day, it will make our traffic seem a lot more legitimate and it makes it quite a lot harder for the blue team to detect. Um, so essentially, we're trying to simulate what real world threat actors might do. And thus, we can give the, our clients a bit of a wake up call as to what they should be looking out for. Yeah. So doing a lot of research on that area. To add to that as well, just, just yesterday we were looking at some real world threats that with phishing. So myself and Erwin were looking at a, a, you know some real world phishing emails that were sent and looking at emulating the similar behaviors that were sort of going on in that particular phishing email so that we can essentially test the you know the blue team's response to you know those kind of threats that are actively being seen in, in the real world. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. Thank you, Mark. Okay, guys, um, I think we can wrap it up there. It's been a really good insight. I do appreciate your views, your experience, your knowledge sharing in this one. It's been really interesting to listen to and I do appreciate it. But listeners, if there's any, you know, if you want to have a chat about Red Team and you want to you know, ask the question, is, is Red Team right for me? Feel free to, to drop us a line. We'll be delighted to have a chat with you as well. Guys, thank you very much. We appreciate your insights, your knowledge, and, and sharing your experiences. If you want to get in touch with either Mark, Steve, or myself, we'll pop the LinkedIn's for each of the guys in the comments below. Uh, keep an eye out on those for you know interesting research we might be doing, might be publishing and sharing. Other than that, we will bid you farewell. So, Steve, thank you very much. Appreciate your time. Thank you. And Mark, really appreciate your time, and thank you for joining today. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, guys. Cheers, everyone. Speak soon, and uh, wish the listeners a good day. Bye, bye.